red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to episode three of season two of Virtual Tavern. I had to think about that for a second. I know, I could see it. Fucking gears were trying to turn, they were getting stuck, there was smoke coming out. You looked at me and it was like the dial-up signal. <laughs> exactly. The, the buffering icon right above my head. And it's the Patrick drooling. He looks like the meme of that woman with all like the mathematical equations flipping past her oh, head. <laughs> the white girl's like the meme like, yeah, looking exactly. back. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yep, exactly. Well, hello everybody, this is... Episode three, season two. We are on the Matrix Reloaded. We're finishing off this fucking piece of shit. I'm so glad to get, move on to greener pastures, at least for a little bit. And then I was gonna say it, it's gonna be nice for about three to four episodes at most. And, and then, then we hit a fucking shoot. Well, it depends. Do you want to go straight to Matrix Four, or do you want to go in release order, which is technically the Animatrix? I feel like. I feel like we should do live action and the animated. At least that but way you could put a cherry what, on top. Yeah, exactly. But you know what we could do is we could do a poll by you guys contacting us through our email at contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll get it's one, possible. We'll get one person be like Matrix 4. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then we'll be like, fuck. Um Speaking of the email, we don't have any emails this week, um, but if you would like, and we would really appreciate it, send us an email. It could be question, comment, anything insightful about the Matrix. Maybe you have your own theories because this movie is, this movie series is extremely fun to like speculate and theorize, you know, fan theories like the Jesus, you know, symbolisms and all that. So if you have your own little thing you want to talk about, give us an email at contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. Send us anything, and we will read it on the podcast on our next episode. Um, I have something pretty cool, Hunter. Our analytics. We have our first listener from a new country. Oh, where'd it come from? Take a wild guess. Uh, New Zealand. Is that your final answer? Give me a final answer. Brazil. Oh, we have a hello, Brazil. We love you. Forgive my my very racial intolerant <laughs> friend. He knows not what he speaks. <laughs> I actually don't even know what Brazilian people sound like, so uh, I'm not entirely certain either. But, um, but honestly, whoever... that's really fucking cool. That's uh, uh, I mean, I'm glad that our our podcast is able to reach people from you know places other than just the, the English speaking. US. Yeah, the main English speaking countries. Yeah, which I forgot to mention a couple weeks ago, we did get our first listeners from the UK. So, um. How you guys doing over there? Uh, you still pissed off about the Revolutionary War? Um, we're, we're cool now, right? Uh, yeah. You, you did burn down our White House, so fuck yeah. you. <laughs> it's okay. You know, um, I pay uh, I pay homage to you guys every once in a while, and I drink tea. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you guys over there. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. We got our first listener from Brazil. So, whoever you are, thank you. And... We did have our first, it's kind of weird. We did have our first female listener. I don't want to make them uncomfortable, but hey. We only had one? We have one. Interesting. Okay. I, I mean, didn't know that it showed a, uh, the 
it doesn't show the number, but it says like on a on a like a percentage. Chart, yeah, yeah, a percentage. It was like one or two percent, which is pretty much one. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So whoever you are, thank you. Um, making it not such a sausage fest here. <laughs> um, getting on to our talking point recap. We every episode we do a talking point recap of the last section. So the previous episode. So this would be the second act of The Matrix Reloaded. Hunter, what is your talking point recap? And then I'll give you mine. Um, what I wanted to ask you is what you felt the most badass moment was from the last section that we reviewed. Definitely when Morpheus had his katana and those two twins in the fucking Suburban. That's probably my, you can hear probably my dog. Ralphie, shut up. Uh, he's a good boy. <laughs> the most badass moment for me was uh, when Morpheus had the katana. He did this like Dark Souls dodge roll and then cut the tires and the whole side frame of the Suburban. It flips over and then he slow motion pulls out a fucking Glock, a fully automatic Glock. I think it was yep. a Glock and just shoots the fuel tank and it blows up it. Oh, excuse me. Uh, and apparently that's how the twins die or we at least we never see them again. Yeah, that's what scares the fucking programs away. Yeah, so... We don't actually see them die, but, like, the explosion happens. Um, we talked about that last episode, right? The explosion. Yeah, there. like, the explosion goes up. You can see them. They're, like, flying up above the explosion, and uh -huh. then they go into their uh, transparent state, and that's the last we see of them. So we don't yeah. know whether they're dead or if they're alive or well, what if the they're, case is. Yeah, if they're in their ghost form, they're technically alive, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. if, But... No, we have seen regular programs die. They die like regular humans. Like the spoiler alert, the keymaker. Yeah, I was I was about to say we're we're about to fucking see one happen yeah. right now. So I don't know. Uh consume product, accept product. There's only so far that you can dig deep into a movie before it's like, hey, you're overanalyzing. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway that's too analytical. You're too analytical. But anyway, that's enough of me ranting and talking. Let's go ahead and get back into the Wait, 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 sir. Wait, oh, start. Oh, oh shit. What about your talking point? Oh, fuck. Okay. You haven't um, fucking touched on you. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's uh, like when you were trying to do Hunter. the introductions for our first episode and I then know. you introduced yourself I and know. left me off on my own. I didn't. Did I leave you out? Fuck yeah. You introduced yourself and I didn't say shit. Okay. Okay. Hunter, my talking point recap is what was the most annoying or cringy moment in the last section? Annoying or cringy? Oh. For me, it's it's cringy that like the twins, you know, they they have the abilities that they do, but it's it's never explained. Like it it bothers me. Yeah, like the fact that they're able to do the things they can without really mm -hmm. any explanation. Um, it's cringy. I mean, I guess it would border more on annoying, really. But um, that would probably be what I would say is the most um maybe distracting thing yeah the last bit that we reviewed is just that they're able to fucking phase in and become invulnerable armor lock for no fucking <laughs> from halo reach <laughs> yeah for no fucking reason and we have no explanation as to why like i hate that you know what it reminds me of what's that force healing in force awakens with ray well so to be fair, they do explain that in the comic. Oh fuck off! I'm not it's reading in the books. I'm not reading supplementary material. Well, to no. band aid the fucking. Oh lore. no! 
Oh, I'm not meaning for her. Like, the books that came out before Episode 7 came out, they were in the books. Okay, but those were Legends, though. Yeah. Like, so they pull, they did pull that ability from Legends, but... Um, uh, those kind of vary from writer to writer, though. Yeah. Like, people can get really outlandish and crazy with the Force powers in those books. Like, it gets crazy. Uh, like, essentially, Luke having the power of the one, so he's, he's <laughs> fucking Neo. So Luke starts flying around <laughs> like Superman. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, my God. Dude, what if that happens? Planets of planets. <laughs> Dude, now you got me thinking, what if that becomes like a Jedi or Sith power in the next few Star Wars movies? It's just flying. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> just fly. I don't know what in lightsaber ignited. I don't know if I would be angry or happy. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's been eight movie, eight minutes. We haven't even talked about the fucking movie. Let's get into it. So last we left off, Neo was playing Superman, and he grabbed Morpheus and the Keymaker from this huge axe explosion on the highway right at <laughs> time, and Link is like, yes. He grabbed Morpheus and the soon-to-be corpse from this explosion. The soon-to-be corpse. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, So... We get a lot more of the real world scenes in this movie, which I kind of like. Yeah, I like that it manages to uh, merge the the two experiences together a lot better. I've noticed that in these movies, it there's a dramatic shift in how much screen time is given to one reality to the other. In the first Matrix, we get a lot of the Matrix and then a little bit of the real world. Yeah. In this movie, it's more 50-50. Yep. And then in Matrix Revelations, the third one, it's pretty much 80% real world. You know, there's that dramatic shift. I thought that was kind of cool. I wonder if that was intentional or not, but... Probably. Because I feel like uh, you and I kind of were talking about this um, last week when we were watching this. Um, I feel like uh, Reloaded and Revelations were supposed to be the same movie. Like, they're supposed to be... Like a part one and part two? Yeah. Uh, it does feel like that. Well, I mean, it would make sense, too, with them being released in the same year. Oh, shit. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, like, you, you weren't a Harry Potter fan, were you? I, I was a big Harry Potter fan. Holy shit. I read all the books. I watched all the movies. How come we've never talked about this? I don't know. It's never been brought up. <laughs> yeah, no. Holy, did we just Harry discover Potter. another fandom to sh talk about and share? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, do you remember when, like, and Twilight did this fucking too, right? Yeah. Like. This was really popular in like 2008 to 2012. Big fran movie franchises like Harry Potter and Twilight, they had to do a part two. And Hunger Games. Yeah. They, they had would split the last movie into two parts. Exactly. Where like, you know, one, they could kind of expand on the story, but it would all it was also another way to exactly milk that cash cow. Mm-hmm. You know, the franchise doesn't want to be over. We got to have two parts to milk that box office, right? So. Yeah. Um. Maybe you're maybe you're right. Like this is meant to be one complete story, like a part two, but it ended up being three parts, like three movies in total. Because that's what it feels like. The yeah, the third movie has a lot of filler. Because I feel like, especially with it, just like, um, you know, uh, again, spoiler alert. At the end of this movie, it it throws out to be continued, right? Like it does, huh? Yeah, it it, it starts right where this one leaves off, more or less. So. They knew exactly what they were doing. Um, so I'm willing to bet they got to a certain point. They probably hit, like, uh, maybe a budget cap or something along the lines. Yeah. Those lines, and they couldn't go any further. So they just, they filmed as far as they could, released it, and then from the, uh, 
profits that they got from this movie mm-hmm. is what they used to shoot the rest of, you know, part two, basically, yeah. for Revelations. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know, but anyway, enough theorizing. Let's get back to the movie. So, Commander Locke, um, the, the commander of the human forces at Zion, uh, he's having a tough time, you know, because the machines are getting really close to Zion. They're drilling and everything. Um, and then we see, we get a nice cool shot of all the fucking sentinels. They're, that's what they're called, right? The sentinels. Yep. Okay. Uh, all the sentinels and the drills, like there's hundreds of thousands of them. They're fucked. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God. And then we get into more convoluted exposition that doesn't make any sense. That's introduced at the 11th hour, right at the fucking end of the film. So apparently the plot of this movie, why we had to get the key maker is we have to go to the source. But to get to the source, we have to find this one door. But to open the fucking door, the power grid has to be destroyed. You see where I'm going with this? It's getting fucking... Yeah, it's it's way too complicated just to make it to where they can open a fucking door. It's getting outlandish. It reminds me of the Rise of Skywalker with all the fucking MacGuffins. Yep. Oh, we need to go to Exegol? Well, you need one of these fucking markers, you know, the triangle boxes. But to get that, you have to find them. Well, the only way to find them is to find the Sith Dagger. Well, to only read the, but you have to read the inscription on the Sith dagger. Well, C-3PO can't read Sith writing because of his Republic programming. So you have to go to this fucking, it's just, stop! It's stupid! Well, that and the fucking, the marker for it doesn't make any goddamn sense either. Because it has to work. oh, this Sith dagger, which would have been ancient. It would have been like thousands upon thousands of years old. Uh, you know, well before they even came up with the idea of fucking Star, or not, uh, yeah, Star Destroyers and uh, um, Death Stars. They're like, oh, look at this. It matches up perfectly with that's, this destroying section. so fucking stupid. This is starting, this is becoming a Star Wars podcast. Give us two minutes, okay? <laughs> um, That's so fucking stupid, all right? So they, on the Sith dagger, there's like this little extendo cock part <laughs> that comes out, and the ray holds it up to the, the fucking horizon like the Goonies, right? The little fucking medallion. And it lines up perfectly with the fucking debris of the Death Star. And it shows Emperor Palpatine. I'm stuttering because I'm so fucking angry. Emperor Palpatine's fucking throne room. I gotta reverse the fucking movie because we're already... I know, dude. It shows Emperor Palpatine's fucking throne room. But how could a a dagger made hundreds of, if not thousands of years ago, correlate with the fucking debris of the Death Star on a fucking water world? How? Oh, okay. Stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. No more Star Wars talk. Let's get back to the movie. So, That'll come in our episodes of Star Wars. <laughs> our new season coming out. So we're having this meeting room, and I really like how in a lot of the Matrix scenes where we're doing like the group meeting, there's it's pretty much like the first movie, right? Lots of leather, lots of these red couches and chairs. Yeah, and we we talked about this the other day when uh, we were watching this. Like this, the the chair. That the keymaker is in, but cares one hundred percent from the first movie. That has to be the same. It's gotta top. be. Yeah, now, I I just like that this whole meeting. So all right, so let me put, let me set the table. Right. So the scene is the keymaker is giving a long exposition of why we need to unlock this door. Yada yada yada. Take down the power grid. Doesn't make any sense. Um, inside the circle jerk is the other captains of the human ships. Right. You have Niobe. Uh huh. Oh my God, Hunter. You have Niobe, and then you have I can't remember the other captain's name, but he's bald. He's a white guy. Um, I don't I don't know if they ever mentioned his actual name. Yeah, but I'm sure it's on the cast list or something. But there's three captains here. <laughs> It'll be like Captain One, Two, and Three. Yeah. <laughs> so Morpheus, 
he actually gives a kind of cool little exposition here. If I can go back in time. Uh, he, I can I can do it from memory. I don't have to find the exact spot. He talks about like three captains, three ships. I do not see chance. I see providence. I see the fate of all mankind and everything. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool that he tried to make it all like part of his religion and Morpheus's belief system that he sees fate unraveling. Yeah, I, I just thought that was cool that Morpheus sees the the end of his journey coming to a close. Yeah, in this movie. Um, so we have three captains, three ships. The goal is to take out the power grid, and we have this really cool action sequence where, um, they're taking out the power grid. They they attack all the security guards, and in the real world, oh my god, they never never really talked about this character. Um, the fucking the gimp the on one of the other ships. I was gonna call him the same thing. Like, <laughs> so on one of the other ships, the uh. The, the white guy, the bald white guy captain, I can't remember his name because he's not very, he's a side character, right? The operator for that ship has like this metal leg. He's kind of limping everywhere. Yeah, he has like a, a fucking Forrest Gump brace on his He leg. does, yeah. Uh, and for no reason, we're pulling a final destination here. Yeah, like we see the, the bridge that he's on going from one side of the ship to the other uh, start breaking and it's super rusted on one side. So clearly like, it's, it can't take too much weight or too much movement, otherwise it's going to yeah. snap. So they're trying to foreshadow something bad happening here. Yeah, we're pulling a final destination where, you know, death is coming after them, and it's just going to kill the whole crew. Yeah. Kill the, the whole crew. But something that I, I kind of like this detail, because it tells me, as a viewer, you know, as, per, as someone that likes lore and world building and everything, it tells me that these ships are so old that these ships have probably been in service since the very beginning of the human uh, robot war. And they they don't probably they probably don't build new ships. These are the same ships, pr more than likely, from the very beginning of the war. These ships are hundreds of the years old. Yeah. So, they're, yeah, they're rusted. They're fucking old. They're, they don't have new parts. So they're being held together by fucking silicone and duct tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, So it kind of makes sense to me. Like, as a regular view, you probably don't notice that, but as someone that, you know, watches these movies for deep dive lore, you know, little nuggets of world building, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I like that. But to get back to it, Morpheus is having his little speech and everything, and we skip ahead a little bit. It's just a, a big uh, monologue about fate and uh, three captains. It's Providence. Uh, we assault the power grid, and of course, as we saw a few seconds ago, one of the operators of the bald-headed captain, he runs across the bridge and it fucking collapses. <laughs> He's like, incoming, because the sentinels are coming and everything. He falls down the bridge, fucking falls, and then a part of the bridge impales the operator that's on the fucking chair. <laughs> Wait, do me a favor. Go back a couple seconds. Okay. So so. It feels like when that... A uh, little further. Uh, it, it'll get there. Okay, uh... Does his face not remind you of Link just a little bit? Or not Link, uh, Dozer. The operator in the chair? Yes. Like, I, oh, we I barely see fact, him. I think it's the fact that it's just that innocence, that, like, that young-looking face uh, that, for me, reminds me of Dozer a lot. Maybe they make the younger crew members the operator because they don't want them fighting out in the Matrix. Ooh, that's a possibility. Yeah. 
Uh, like as you rank up, that's when you're able to actually start diving in. Yeah, like hell yeah. Like it's like starting out at a mine. Like all right, you're gonna start in a hole truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get oh, there, we go. Like a fucking driller or uh, uh, I don't know, a fucking loader hand or something. Like all right, yeah, no. Now you actually need to go in the matrix. Go, go fucking run it. <laughs> control everything. We're we're going off topic here. Where we come from a mining community, so yeah, it's it's fun to talk about. But yeah, you're right. He's a younger guy, like early 20s, you know, and most of the other crew members are like in their late 20s, early 30s. So yeah, maybe so that's like the entry level position on a crew like this. It's entirely possible. I wish that they would kind of delve into that aspect of it to give you more of an idea as to like uh, kind of how everything works. Yeah. Um, But it's it's still fun to like, you know, theorize and things like that. Yeah. So, obviously, with the operator of the ship killed, um, the bald captain, uh, the, the ship has no defenses, and the Sentinels are very easily able to launch a fucking bomb towards the ship, detonates it, and kills the entire crew. And we see, excuse me for my burping, um, it seems like we drink every time on this show, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, that's how we make it fun and interesting. It's true. Um... So we see in the Matrix, like, four, I think, three or four crew members just fucking drop dead. It's <laughs> it's like when Cypher unplugged all the other crew members in the first movie. It is. And they just drop dead like a fucking fish. Oh, no. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. It just gets uh, all limp dick. <laughs> Skyrim ragdolls. As a, you know, a death animation in Skyrim, you just ragdoll. Yep. Um, so back to the real world, Trinity and, uh, Link are talking about the power grid not being, um, disabled in time. Uh, no, they, they're talking about Soren. Okay. Soren. That's his name. Soren is the name of the captain of the other vessel, the bald headed guy. Yeah. Okay. So now we, we have that. Oh, and another thing they have to like, make sure they do this at like midnight exactly within like a time frame of 10 seconds. Yeah. It's so stupid. But anyway, the power plant gets destroyed. Um, but the other people, they were supposed to disable like a firewall or something. Otherwise, the, oh, the backup systems. Yeah. So they destroyed the power plant. But because the crew with Soren died, the backup systems are going to come back online and the door is not going to work. So Trinity has to go into the Matrix and pretty much save the whole mission. Um, so she goes to the power, and this is the scene that we saw in the very beginning of the movie. Um, Trinity riding the motorcycle, yep. arguably one of the most badass fucking scenes in this whole series. She backflips from the motor motorcycle, it explodes at the power plant fucking guard shack. Yeah. And just, boom! And, uh, oh, we're introduced to, uh, Agent Smith again. Mr. Anderson. Yep. <laughs> Good old Smithers is back. Uh, it's not really explained why he's there, but regardless, him and several of his um, constituents, one could say, uh, have followed suit, trying to chase down Neo and Morpheus to you know see what they're up to or whatever. You know, something that disappoints me, Hunter, in this movie is that the agents and the machines take a backseat to this movie. They do. Like, in the first movie, the agents were this dominating force. This scary fucking presence, like Darth Vader, like you, 
the agents had such a fucking threatening presence in the first movie. And in this movie, it's mostly these random fucking programs like the twins. Yep. Uh, Agent Smith, who at this point isn't really an agent. He's more like a virus. You don't see the regular agents in this movie very well. What was that? Uh, it was making me think of when he was fucking rubbing, um, when Smith was rubbing Morpheus's head like, yes, you guys were an infection. Oh, you are a disease. <laughs> you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Delvin <laughs> uh, back in the fucking Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree, honestly. I mean, they, they took a, a backseat hardcore for this movie. And they're hardly in the third one either. Yeah, it focuses more on, um, the machines themselves, which mm-hmm. I get technically, you know, Sentinels and, um, the agents, they're kind of one of the same because they're all part of the same programming or whatever. Right. But still, it's a very different feel than the first movie. Yeah. I just really liked the first movie. It felt more coherent. The agents had a lot more presence. These random programs that Neo fights, like the Merovingians henchmen, they don't have that same presence. Yeah. Same danger feeling. Yeah, no, you see him and you're like, all right, this dude's going to get defeated. He's going to get defeated, so on and so forth. Like, with when you see agents, it's like, oh, Oh, fuck. Yeah, like, it's that oh, fuck feeling, you know? (laughs) Oh, fuck. Like, Morpheus, yeah. Morpheus couldn't beat Agent Smith in the first movie. Like, he, he even stated that every single person that has gone ab- up against an agent has died. Yeah. And that immediately raises the stakes. And right now, as we're seeing, like, we've talked about this, the Agent Smith clones are pushovers. Yeah. Like, they're supposed to be... Agent Smith is obviously one of the agents, right? But he's different now. He's a virus. He's taken over lots of different people, like NPCs and everything, and cloning himself. But... Morpheus is able to tango with these fuckers. Oh, dude, I'm so sad you missed that fucking image of him. Yeah, which image of uh, Agent Smith? Like wh- one of the clones, they're making like a fucking super, super fugly duck face. That's fucking That's throw his fucking fist into Morpheus. Yeah, and the whole time you're lo- you're talking, I'm like, I'm just like, no, it's in the fucking right corner of the screen. The whole <laughs> Yeah, we paused. We have the movie playing in the background just for reference on silent. But yeah, we pause it, and sometimes we get really comedic, comedic uh, snapshots, as we should say. Um, but as I was saying, like Morpheus is able. To, we're in the hallway, right, where all these fucking doors are, and the one of the doors leads to the source. Yeah, that's the whole reason why we're here. The power grid's out. One of these doors leads to the source. The one is supposed to get to the source to end the war. Why? Don't know. Don't care. Consume product, accept product. But Morpheus. As I was saying about the presence and danger of agents, Morpheus is fucking able to tango with these Agent Smith clones. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's not going to be able to beat them, but he's handling himself way better than the fucking first movie. Well, not just the Agent Smith clones. He's he was able to handle the new agent, the upgraded agent. We talked about the big beefy fucking dude. Yeah, dude. Like the one that got fucking, you know, the. Strength and dexterity plus 10 fucking factor on him. <laughs> his intelligence is zero, but his strength and endurance is fucking 99. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he was able to fucking handle uh, the newer agents with ease, while in the first one, he struggled against uh, Smith. Like, he never had the upper hand. Yeah. So, back to the movie. Uh, Trinity has found her way into the mainframe. She's disabled the backups. It's essentially the emergency power 
So now the power has officially gone out to the building. The keymaker has unlocked the door and all the Agent Smith clones turn to shoot all the, the heroes. Uh, the keymaker closes the door right in time. And oh no, it turns out the keymaker suffered an injury. Oh no, this character that we've been emotionally tied to for fucking ever. An injury. He had four fucking bullet holes in his chest. <laughs> I, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> oh, but oh no, this character that we really are emotionally invested into, you know? I honestly think this, this Keymaker character is fucking pointless. We don't know. Kind of, yeah. We don't know who he is. We obviously know he's a program, right? He's not human. Yeah. But outside of his ability to open up locations in the matrix using these keys, you know, kind of like back doors to different locations in the matrix. We don't know anything about him. We don't know why he's being held by the Merovingian. We don't know why he would want to help us in the first place. Yep. We don't know anything about him. We rescue him and then he fucking dies. He's boring. Maybe, maybe this is kind of the path of, uh, the one every time because in, um, the, the the last act that we just reviewed, the Merovingian Merovingian does uh, reference the fact when Neo says that he'll handle the Merovingian and his uh, um, henchmen. It's like, oh, your predecessors predecessors had so much more respect. So maybe this is like just a reoccurring theme. Like the Keymaker is always present. Oh, like uh, like the not the, not the Holy Grail, but like some kind of item that is required for the one every single cycle yeah um to obtain exactly like he's he's the fucking princess peach of this yeah. fucking universe your key maker is in another castle <laughs> oh my god your key maker is in another hallway for this fucking <laughs> one no that would kind of make sense yeah i always assumed that when the merovingian said your predecessors had more respect it i i assumed that he was talking about humanity in general like Obviously, humans have been entering the Matrix for almost 100 years, right? Since it was created. Yeah. Um, well, no. it was. I, I think it was a little longer than that, but yeah. Like, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll learn about that here in a few seconds, about the history of the Matrix and the, the, role, the role of the one and everything. How there's kind of like cycles and iterations of the Matrix. Yeah. So maybe, well, no, 100 years. It doesn't make any fucking sense, right? So, we'll talk, okay. Let's just get into this Colonel Sanders bit, and then I'll come back to that. Let's put a pin in that, okay? Um, so, <laughs> so back to the movie. Uh, Neo, because the keymaker has unlocked the door, Neo and opens up the door, and we are introduced to this god ray sunshine. You know, Neo walks through the door, and we are introduced to a big-ass room with a bunch of fucking video screens, and Colonel Sanders... Colonel motherfucking Sanders. He's here. He didn't die. He's That's right. It's time for some fucking MFC, some Matrix fried chicken. Matrix fried chicken. Um so we're introduced to somebody called the Architect. And apparently this Colonel Sanders lookalike is one of the original creators of the Matrix. Um, yeah. So we learn I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but I'm going to try to I'm going to try to cover everything this guy fucking says um, in a nutshell, right? I'm not going to go everything he says word for word because that would take way too much fucking time. Um, but in a nutshell, I'm going to cover what the architect says. So 
this whole scene, like the next fucking seven minutes, is the architect explaining to Neo the role of the One and humanity's legacy. And there's something called cycles, right? Yeah. Um, so Neo, being the One, is like the sixth, the sixth One, I think, or the fifth One. I can't remember what number he is. So, but several have um, gone before him. Is he, the easiest way to put it. Yes. So there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack here. This yeah. whole fucking section is really hard to fucking uh dig into and unpack. I'm going to try to I'm going to I'm going to reverse I'm going to backpedal a little bit. So the architect talks about why Neo is here. You are the sum of a an, an equation that I have yet to figure out. So the architect his job as the machine is to create the matrix to control humans. But the architect is having a problem, and he's had this problem for several cycles of the Matrix, several iterations of the Matrix. It's something that he can't compute, literally because he's a program. He's not human. It's For him, everything is binary, ones and zeros, black and white. Yep. The architect is unable to see the irrationality and the, the chaos that is the human emotion, specifically love. Yeah. Um. And the architect created several versions of the matrix. And with each version of the matrix, you have to kind of like reset and start again. And he's described that Zion, the last human city is like, kind of like a, a, a secondary screen to catch all the people that won't accept the matrix programming. Yeah. So Zion, the last human city is actually just another form of control of the machines. That's kind of fucking wild to think about, is that this perfect matrix that the architect has created, um, that there's going to be at least 1%. He even stated it, that 99% of the people accept the matrix. But there's always going to be that 1% of humans that do not accept the matrix and see something bigger. So, how do you deal with this 1% of people? Well... You actually kind of intentionally create your own rebellion. Zion, the human resistance. Yeah. And that is kind of like a secondary screen to catch and collect people that won't accept the programming. And the architect, and it interrupt me at any time, Hunter, if I'm rambling, if you want to interject. I'm, I'm you just do your thing, going. man. Okay. Uh, I don't want to hog, hog the fucking mic if you want to interject, but... Well, I'll tell you what, you go on your your uh, your rambling here, and I'll go grab us some drinks. How about it, that? Okay, it's a lot to unpack here. Um, so while Hunter grabs drinks, I'm gonna try to unpack this whole fucking scene. So, the the architect, I'll take another one of these. Uh, the architect is talking about um, human love. Neo has a love for Trinity, right? So that's a rationality it's just a, a an algorithm a, a formula that the architect cannot compute right it's like trying to calculate pi the architect just cannot wrap his head around something as irrational and chaotic as love and that's why neo being the one um and that why there's been five iterations of the one i believe uh kind of throw a wrench in the system right so the architect is telling Neo, you are the sum of an anomaly, the sum of a an algorithm that I have yet to perfect. 
And he gives Neo a choice, right? So he gives Neo the choice of you can go back, reset the mainframe, and you can collect 12 humans and 12 females to kind of restart Zion. Or you can go and find Trinity. Thank you, Hunter. You can go try to help Trinity because he knows Trinity's in, Trinity is in danger. Save Trinity, but in also doing that, you are doing the human race to the machines breaking through and digging through and destroying Zion. So at, when I said while you were gone, Hunter, I was talking about how the architect is giving Neo a choice. But it's not really a choice because the architect already knows what Neo is going to choose because of his human fallacy, his human flaws. You mean the choice of whether he sacrifices his one true love to save the rest of humanity or go fucking pick her up and doom the rest? Yes. Less? Yes. So the architect gives him a choice. You can either go save humanity um, and you'll kind of start with 12 humans and 12, 12 females and 12 males to kind of restart the the simulation, restart the Zion resistance, um, and keep humanity going. Or you can go save Trinity, but if you do that, you're kind of dooming the rest of the human race. You're dooming Zion and potentially dooming the humans that are plugged into the Matrix and leading to the extinction of the human race. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I'm not going to continue any more on it. Uh, I've already rambled on for like fucking 10 minutes about the architect. This scene is infamous for being one of the hardest, hardest scenes to understand and unpack because the architect talks in such complicated and fancy words and terminology. Like, fuck, not to toot my own horn, but I went to college and even I have trouble fucking understanding what the fucking architect is talking about. Some of the vocabulary that he uses. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's very convoluted and it's just it's layered in there so heavily that it's it's difficult to um really track where he's going with everything. Like it they made it to where you can really dive into what he says here and just this short little bit of this entire this entire film. Yeah. So something else that I didn't cover that he mentions, a little bit of a lore dump. He mentions that the Oracle he says that if I was the father of the Matrix, the Oracle would, would most certainly be its mother. So we kind of get some back, background lore on the Oracle and why she might be helping us. Yeah. Because she wants to remake the Matrix into a better version of itself. Why, we don't really know, but we know that she's on our side so that we can make a better version of the Matrix. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, it's kind of like divorced parents wanting to raise <laughs> their kids uh, to the best of their own ability. Like, he's going to want to have it to where the Matrix is um, designed in his uh, his personal point of view, and she's going to want to raise it her way. Yeah. So, it their way, I say. yeah, this whole scene has a lot to unpack. Let's go ahead and move on. I could talk about this one fucking scene with Colonel Sanders forever. Uh, Trinity... I, my voice crackled there for a bit. Trinity! I know. I thought we were fucking back in high school. I know. Trinity, uh, after destroying the power plant, goes down an elevator, and wouldn't you know it, a fucking agent. We haven't seen him in forever. Yeah. Uh, an agent pops out of the door, and it turns out this is the same agent that's going. we saw in the beginning of the film that kills Trinity. Yeah. As they're falling down the skyscape, skyscraper and everything... Uh, this is the same agent that puts a bullet uh, right through Trinity's uh, abdomen and kills her. 
Hecht is giving more of a monologue. Uh, it's essentially what I just stated. He's giving him a choice, right? You can save humanity or you can save her. And obviously, because we're, he's human, he chooses to save love. Like, I, I can't argue, right? Even though the rational choice is to save humanity, I'd probably make the same decision. Yeah, like if it was me and my wife or whatever. It's a ra it's a rational, it's not logical, which is what the architect thrives on. Yeah, like, I mean, I get it. I'd make the same choice. I, I'd rather save my hands to the rest of humanity. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> but that's another reason why the architect can't wrap his head around humanity. Humanity is inherently chaotic. And we make decisions that are illogical, irrational, and just flat out stupid. We yeah. let our we let our emotions control us, and that's why the architect can't figure us out. Yeah. He's basically the program meant to create programs and algorithms to control humanity. But you can't like you can't control humanity 100% because we're just so chaotic and so fucking irrational and Ill illogical beings. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be that 1% that doesn't accept whatever they're being told. Yep. So uh um, yeah, oh my god. We get to see this awesome scene of Neo zipping through the fucking matrix. He gets out of the, the building with uh the doorway to the source. Um, you know, that whole level just full on explodes, and you see him in just a tiny little shot shoot through this fire, and he's you know going down um streets and stuff, and all the windows around him are starting to bend like when he launches from the ground. Yeah. Uh and he's hauling ass and um He's flying like Superman. Yeah, Link even mentions like whatever it is, there it, it's flying faster than anything or moving faster than anything I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Neo is like pushing the fucking limit of what he can do. Push it to the limit. Push it. Sorry, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Push it to the limit. Um, but Neo is hauling ass to Trinity, trying to save her, and Trinity unfortunately gets shot before Neo can arrive in time. But he does catch her and escorts her to a nearby rooftop. And Neo literally gets inside her guts. He does. Fucking whole fist right up in there, man. I, Rearranges them even. So Neo uses force heal. Another Star Wars reference. <laughs> oh, my God. So they show this little uh, Matrix-y digital, digitized version of what Neo is doing. Neo literally goes into Trinity's body and grabs the fucking bullet. So, he, like, has the ability to phase in and out of solid matter now for some reason. Which kind of goes with the twins. Like, the twins are able to do that. They are. I didn't think about that till just now. So, maybe... Okay. Um, you might want to pause it because I'm going to be going on a little bit of a tangent. Okay, I'll let you go on your tangent. What if the twins are uh the the ones from other other alterations or other versions of the matrix and they saw exactly what happened but because you know essentially nothing changed like the machines are still in control they just accepted their fate and that's why they started working with the merovingian in my opinion that's a little bit of a stretch well it's definitely a stretch don't get me wrong it's definitely but a stretch that would be a cool fucking idea Think about it. What if there are other ones and they turn to the dark side and actually serve the machines? Wouldn't that be a cool fucking idea? 
I mean, it would kind of make sense because, you know, the the Matrix has been redone again and again and again. Yeah, five times, I think. Yeah, uh, they never they never exactly say what happens to their version of the one. We only see what happens to, to Neo. Yeah. We don't have any confirmation as to what happened to the other past, you know, mm-hmm. five or six, however many there have been. I, I would assume that each cycle is about 100 years. So I'm theorizing that from the beginning of the the human machine war, which is around 2050 is what they said. Um, fuck, this is hard to remember because this was all stated in the first movie. Well, the first movie, it's only 200 years in the future because we thought that it was a lot longer. Oh my God. Yeah, it was like, you know, you 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 think that it's 1999 when really it's 2199. Like you're right, but what if each cycle kind of resets the clock? And even though they think it's only been a hundred years since the fucking since the dawn of uh, okay, the let me, dawn of machine. Let me slow down. What if every the beginning of every cycle they think that it's only been a hundred years since the beginning of the war? So. 1999, right? Or uh, 20.99 is the beginning of the human robot war? I think so. Or 2199? What if they think it's only been 100 years, but because there's been multiple cycles, it's been going on for hundreds of, like 100 years each cycle. So in reality, it's been like 500 years of these cycles. That's entirely possible, honestly. And it resets every fucking time. Because, I mean, all of these guys that are getting pulled from the Matrix, like, they have that pre-programming in. Right. They know that a certain percentage isn't going to accept the programming. So they can kind of set the precedent of how long it's been and um, when they started. Like, yep. it, the machines are completely in control. Th- yeah, this, this second movie, it kind of makes, I want to say breaks a lot of the canon from the first movie. But it makes it harder to understand. Because in the first movie, we learned that it's this human robot war was has been going on for about a hundred years, right? So the human robot war started in about like 2099. Uh, and the year Morpheus, when Neo first gets unplugged for the Matrix, he says it's closer to the year 2199, if I remember right. So this war has been going on for roughly a hundred years. But this movie sets the precedent that this been several cycles at least five cycles of the human zion rebel rebellion so realistically if each cycle is about a hundred years in length you know generational generational and then it hits it it hits a peak and then the the robots wipe them all out and they start again yeah realistically this could be the year 2599 yeah that, absolutely that, that's what i'm trying to say is like realistically if there's cycles now it could be the year 2,599, but they think it's the year 2,199. Yeah. But that's that's just me digging into a, you know, consume product, a set product. That's me digging way too far into a fucking movie. Well, I mean, that kind of makes me curious. Like, every time that it cycles, does that mean that they make a new Zion? Did they go to a, a different location? Like, if you traveled around the Earth, around, you know, the current time period of the Matrix, would you find, like, an empty city here, empty city there. You know, <laughs> there's a video game series that actually tackles this exact same premise. And 
I kind of want you to play it because I think you would really like it. It's the Mass Effect trilogy. Interesting. I, I think I've told you about this, right? I don't want to spoil anything for you if you ever plan on playing in the future, but it kind of follows that same premise of cycles. Okay. Uh, I can't remember whether you've talked about it or not, but I'm more than happy to listen. Okay. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but how we have this theory of the Matrix, you know, there being cycles of, like, callings, right? You know, you you let humanity rebel up to a certain point, and then the machines kind of go in and wipe everything and start again. Yeah. The Mass Effect trilogy kind of does the same thing. And I don't want to get too farther into depth because, you know, this is this might be one of those game trilogies that, you know, I say, all right, I want you to play this, but then you pl- I play something that you want. Okay. We, we already have that deal going with uh, Resident Evil and Cyberpunk. Yep. I'm going to play a Resident Evil game that of your choosing as long as you play Cyberpunk, and that's fair. You know, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. But anyway, that's a future discussion. I think you would really like the Mass Effect trilogy. It has a lot of similarities between this and the Matrix. I but I've kind of <laughs> 48 minutes in. Uh, I've kind of gone on a little bit of an eight minute tangent there. Let's get back to the fucking movie. Yeah. Um, this is several days. We're gonna get back on track here, okay? Yeah. So we go on tangents here. It makes us fun. Um, exactly. This movie fucking sucks. So we got to go on tangents to make it interesting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Neo goes. 10 inches into fucking Trinity's guts, grabs the bullet, yeah, and the first time someone's gone, nine fucking inches. Fucking Batman. <laughs> the college humor Batman. Yeah. She loved it. Wait, I can do the alphabet. A is for elf. <laughs> B is for fat. Okay. So we're approaching the end of the movie. Thank fucking God this movie sucks. Um, Morpheus, or not Morpheus, Neo and Trinity go back to the real world. um, And Morpheus, Trinity, Neo, and I almost called him Zelda. Link. (laughs) They're all in the mess hall talking about what just happened. Morpheus is having a, a... I almost wanted to say a midlife crisis, but he's not. Having- I mean, to him, like the information that uh, Neo was bringing forth, it's is uh, you know contradictory to all the beliefs that he's had. Like, <clears throat> no matter what happens, machines will reach Zion, and they're going to do this and do that. It is inev- as Agent Smith would say, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. <laughs> Yeah, the fucking Agent Thanos over there Agent was one hundred percent right. Um, but yeah, no, we see Morpheus going through, uh, almost like the stages of grief. He uh, does go through the stages of grief. He's like, you know, I've I've believed in this for so long, and even the one that he has entrusted with all of his beliefs is telling him, you know, I'm sorry, but this is what I was told like yeah. it's going to happen it, there's there's no if ands or but about it like it's yeah. gonna happen yeah we've talked about this in previous episodes Morpheus has put all of his chips on his religious beliefs yeah, like he's his, all in he's all in like if he fucking loses he's gonna go to the poorhouse you know and he's having this crisis of belief right now because what was supposed to happen is that when the the one 
Neo, arrives at the source, the war was supposed to end. And that hasn't happened. Yep. But this wasn't really, this doesn't make any sense. Neo wasn't at the source. He was at the Architects. Well, and maybe that's up to kind of like interpretation. Maybe that was the source version of the Matrix, but mm. the, the true source, you know, there's a difference between the Matrix and the real world. The true source is what we see in the next film. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Like, the next film completely invalidates this film. Like, we were told that Colonel Sanders, his little fucking monitor room was the source. And in the, in the next film, not to jump too far ahead, but that totally wasn't the source at all. Yeah, it's a it's a very different story, and I, I I don't know I don't know if they were just trying to go a different way with it, or if like I had mentioned earlier, like it was supposed to be essentially two different locations, like the source when seen through uh, the Matrix was supposed to look different as opposed to the source through the real world. Well, I I guess maybe. It it actually was the source because there were there were two doors in that room, right? Yeah. One of them led to Trinity, and the other one we can theorize led to the source where Neo would kind of restart the program, right? Uh the architect said that it would start again. Zion would be destroyed, right? But humanity would start again with twelve females and twelve males unplugged from the matrix to kind of restart the human rebellion. Yeah, it was uh, it was the fucking paperclip, you know, the thirty second paperclip plugged in to the back of the router to hold in the fucking reset button for thirty seconds. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, you get a red light on the router, which is you know you don't have any signal, um, which is humanity, right? Fucking shit up. They won't accept the matrix, so yeah. you uh hit the reset button. <laughs> so that's the fucking that's the bombs getting like held in place or whatever, like. <laughs> Not going off, and then you hit the reset button. They go off, and everything's everything's fine. Everything's, everything's fine. Empty. Everything's fine. Um, so let's get back to the movie. Morpheus is having a conflict of beliefs. Right, he's put all his poker ch- poker chips into his religious beliefs, and now his religious beliefs are crumbling right in front of him. It's kind of like the best analogy that I can find is a, a religious person dies. And then there's no afterlife. Like, you can prove that there is no afterlife. That's what Morpheus is feeling right now. If he was a Catholic or a fucking um, Mormon or what, whatever, if he were to die and somehow prove that there was no afterlife, that's what he's feeling right now. Yeah. Is that complete loss of his religious conviction and just hopelessness. Yep. Um, Neo was telling him, I'm sorry, the sis- it was all a lie. The, the prophecy, the one... It was all another system of control, and we kind of end this movie on a on a on a low note. Uh, even Trinity asked Neo, "What are we gonna do?" Neo says, "I don't know." And the ending of this movie kind of there's not really much to talk about. The Sentinels discover where the Nebuchadnezzar is. I don't know why they fucking abandon ship. I don't know why they don't fucking just activate the ship and then. Detonate their EMP. Doesn't this ship have fucking guns? Um, it should have guns, and it should have the EMP. Like, the EMP should reach, you know, it, it should be able to fire and hit the Sentinels that are within range. There's a gun right there! Like, they abandoned ship. 
there's this one seeker drone that's like a fucking explosive charged fucking suicide bomber robot, right? It destroys the Nebuchadnezzar. But why did you have to abandon ship? Couldn't you power up the ship, fucking haul ass out of there? We see this in the next film. Not to jump too far ahead, but I have to use a point of reference because we just watched that film the other day. Yeah. Like, there's guns on this ship. You have an EMP that has been shown to disable the fucking Sentinels. Why does this one little robot destroy the Nebuchadnezzar? Why do they abandon ship? It's so fucking stupid. The only thought that I can have, uh, that I have, that, w- that that would make sense, is if the Sentinels were confirmed, like, out of range, you know, that they wouldn't be able to hit, be hit by the EMP, and there was no other option. Yeah. Either- um, and really, the only person that could confirm that is Neo, because he can fucking see them. Yeah. He can feel them, rather, in this movie. He can see them in the next one. Either that... Or maybe the Nebuchadnezzar, they had they had to boot it up, right? They had to fire up the engines, fire up the drive, and they didn't have enough time to get the defenses back online. Maybe. Maybe they got caught with their pants down is what I'm trying to say. I but, mean, it's possible. But we're making excuses for the film at that rate. Yeah. Um, so, um, as far as the movie goes at this point, we see a bunch of Sentinels. They're racing towards... Um, you know, Neo and the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar. And just before they're able to strike, Neo uses fucking force push and he keeps them back. <laughs> uh, and these Sentinels start shorting out. And Neo just fucking full on passes out. He's like fucking Grogu from the Mandalorian. Like, Pretty he much. He doesn't know how to, how to use his powers when he's outside of the Matrix. Yeah. So it's more draining. For some reason, Neo can use powers in the real world now. He uses, like, he immobilizes those sentinels that were about to kill everyone. He immobilizes them and kind of crushes them, and then he passes out. Yeah, and as they're, as they're approaching, he's like, wait, I can, I can feel them. He, he starts to notice a, a difference in himself. Right. Neo has been consistently leveling up through this movie and through the past <laughs> movie. That's the only way I can describe it, right? He's yeah, did, no. He, he's, he's bended, he knows that the Matrix is fake, so he's able to bend the rules. He's the one, quotation marks, so he's more able to bend the rules in the Matrix. So he's, as he's developing he, as a character, what? He's the one dot EAC V5. <laughs> Version 5.0. Yeah, pretty much. But as these movies progress... You can see an advancement, a leveling up, as you will, of his powers. He discovers more and more powers as the movie progresses. Yeah. So he's becoming more powerful. But this is the first time that he's used any of these powers in the quotation marks real world. Yeah, because there, I don't remember whether we touched it on uh, the last episode or not, but there's a theory that the real world in this isn't really the real world it's just another level of the matrix they have like the main matrix and you know sub matrix more or less yeah where the guys that don't accept the first matrix fall into that and then they're still within the machine's control they never got unplugged but they feel like they're free yeah i was about to ask that like do we want to talk about that theory now but that 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 cat is out of the bag so let's just go ahead and talk about it um 
So yeah, like Hunter said, there's a theory, and I I didn't invent this theory, right? I just watched a stupid YouTube video. I'm I'm too dumb to kind of make these kind of de deductions myself. Uh, so there's a theory that the reason why Neo can do these things in the real world in the second and third film, spoiler alert, um, is because the real world is still just another layer of the Matrix. To give people that won't accept the first layer of the Matrix a sense that they have control over their own lives and feel like they're rebelling. Because if they feel like they're rebelling, they won't question the second layer of the Matrix. Yep. So If they feel like they have some semblance of control, they're more willing to accept what is presented to them. Um, and that makes it where it's easier for the machines to be able to just, you know, continue to get power without having to worry about yeah. certain cells essentially mm -hmm. failing. If you feel like you have control and if you feel like you have the ability to fight back, you're more likely to accept the world around you. Like, Hey, no, no, I'm in control. I'm in control of my own fate. Well, are you? I mean, are you really? Are you really? Are you really? Are you really? <laughs> so that's another theory. You know, there's the Jesus symbolisms in the third movie that are heavily implied with Neo. But that's what's so fun about these movies, right? Is you can theorize, you can come up with your own um, deductions, your own kind of beliefs of what these movies mean. This, the background storyline, the lore. That's why I wanted to talk about these movies is because it is kind of so much. Yeah, exactly. There's so much there that you can fucking work with. Like, mm -hmm. there are several different ways that you can um, interpret what the film is trying to give you, and it makes it to where there's a lot of different talking points, and there's a lot of different points exactly. of view. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it it's an awesome starting point for discussion, because no matter what way you discuss it, you're not wrong. And that's why... This fucking movie series, especially the first one, is taught in college classes. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. It actually is taught in college classes, like, for philosophy and shit. <laughs> I'm not dicking around with you. Like, fucking Philosophy 101, there are some college fucking universities that talk about this fucking film. I mean, honestly, it, it makes sense because it delves a lot into that, uh, that realm or that aspect of the, the human mind, you know? Like, free will it, and determinism and yeah it makes it where you like you really start thinking about like what's actually going on and things like mm -hmm. that so um excuse me honestly the, the fact that they're able to layer things as heavily as they are is kind of impressive yeah i mean the wachowski brothers at this time i always got to add that little asterisk at this time because they're fucking women now and i don't want to I can practically see it pop above your head every time you see it. Brothers. They, the brothers at this time, they are now the sisters. I am trying to be PC. I am trying to be politically correct, much to my fucking discomfort, because I don't want to be canceled on my fucking seventh, second fucking season. Yeah. Um. So. What are we talking about? We have gone on so many tangents. Let's get back to this fucking we movie. We were talking about um, basically uh, different aspects and things that you can talk about with. Oh, with the Matrix, how it's kind of yeah. how it's kind of open ended. You can theorize and everything. Yeah, but uh, all right. So we already covered that. Let's get back to the film. So the crew 
of the Nebuchadnezzar is just kind of hanging out in the sewers. They get rescued by one of the other crews of a ship. Um, if I remember right, this is one of the ships that the stupid-ass fucking council sent to rescue them, right? So yeah, after- when they were all like, yeah, no, we need every ship that we can. Oh, yeah? Send, Send two. The stupid-ass <laughs> stupid fucking council. Agent Locke is like, dude, we need every fucking ship at our disposal. Oh, my God, what's that? You need every ship, and there's only, already one going out looking for Neil? LOL, send two. <laughs> send two. It's a, it's a typical fucking example of a politician making military decisions. Like, that has never ended well. They're not tacticians. They're not fucking battle strategists. They're not fucking war room analysts. Analytics. Analysts. Fuck. No, most of them... Um... This might get slightly political, so you know, whatever. Most of them can barely, barely run a fucking country. Like, <laughs> they don't need to be making military decisions, um, based on their beliefs or whatever. But you know, they choose to sacrifice two ships as opposed to one. Oh, we need every ship available to us. This is like the last stand of the human race. Send two ships for for no fucking reason. Oh my god, guys! You know it'll be funny. You know it'll be funny if we send <laughs> if we send more ships. If we send more ships, I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> yep, I killed them. <laughs> I sent I sent one ship. I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> exactly. That was the council of fucking Zion. But anyway, back to the movie. Uh oh, you could probably hear a train. If you hadn't noticed, we live next to a fucking train yard, so you might have to hear and bear with. You know. The sound of train horns. So that's great. Welcome to rural America. Rural America. I'm, America. I'm glad you didn't say our town name because I would have to bleep that out in post so we don't dox ourselves. <laughs> oh no! Oh come on! I'm smarter than that. <laughs> we live in bleep and bleep. Um. All right. Let's say the bleep. Back to back to the film. We've been on so many tangents this fucking episode, but I actually kind of love it. Um. Back to the episode, we're introduced to the captain of the third ship, and I don't remember his name, but he's generic white ca- white guy captain number three, and he tells us that Agent Locke had the great idea of launching a preemptive strike against the machines that are drilling it to Zion. So, age, uh, I, I said it, didn't I? Agent Locke. You did. I did. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm thinking of Halo 5. So Commander Locke, the person that's in charge of hum- the, the last city's defenses of Zion, he launches a preemptive strike against the machines with pretty much the rest of the, the Navy. The Basically, rest- yeah. Because in the third film, there's no ships at the dock. So we can assume that he sent all the ships yeah. to fucking deal with the machine threat. So we learn that the rest of the ships were sent to go fight the machines drilling into the ground but oh five ships were instantly downed okay so probably six or seven or eight at most eight ships yeah um apparently before they even engaged in combat one of the ships activated their emp which basically neutered the rest of the fleet and the machines just kind of came in and mopped everything up it wasn't a fight it was a slaughter yeah and Later on in the scene, we can see who is his name? Barnes. The oh, so we know right now. Bane. 
Bane. Okay. Go figure, it'd be fucking Bane. I'm willing to bet they stole that shit from the comics before it became popular. They stole it from DC Comics. From you goddamn right. And so there's a human called Bane. And as we saw in this film, he was taken over by Agent Smith. And for whatever reason, there's Bane's real human body, but it has the mind and consciousness of Agent Smith. Yeah. So we can we can infer as an audience that a, uh, Agent Smith in Bane's body sabotaged the fleet, engaged the EMP, and destroyed the whole fleet. Yeah, and because they say that um, at least as far as his ship went, there were no survivors except for him. Except for him, yeah. So he was the one that sabotaged the fleet, and we're left with this scene of him and Neo on the operating tables, kind of side by side, parallel to each other. Yeah, like, essentially fucking head top to head top, like, they're fucking touching each other. Yeah. Which really kind of gives you um, the idea of the fact that Neo and Smith are one of the same, but one is positive, one is negative. You know, one's ex- white, one's black. Y- yin, yeah, yang. exactly. Yeah, this this idea is devel- developed more in the third movie. Excuse me, I keep burping. Um, this has become a drinking podcast anyway. So <laughs> this idea is developed more in the third movie, but right here in the scene, Neo and Agent Smith being across from each other perfectly in sync you know one operating table and then the other one right across two sides of the same coin right evil and good lucifer and jesus right yeah you know that's a lot of the symbolism that will go more into detail in the third movie in the matrix revelation so but anyway that is where the movie ends um that is the end (laughs) of this atrocious film i mean it has good fight scenes i will say that it has good fight scenes that's the only then it are fucking amazing it's the only thing that keeps together it is the bread and butter of this fucking film and the only reason why i'm a little bit half the viewers that saw this film were like yo i'll go see revelations that sounds like a good idea yep i will admit the third movie right after this is not much better, but it is still better. Like we and it get, proven is it <laughs> an upgrade is an upgrade. An upgrade. Upgrades. Um, we get a lot less Matrix in the third movie, but we get a lot of cool. I don't want to spoil it. Fuck it. There's spoilers. You, these movies have been out for fucking almost two decades. Come on, guys. Yeah, dude, these movies are almost as old as us. Yeah. Dude. So in the third movie, we get a lot of cool action sequences, but in the real world. We don't get very many cool action sequences in the Matrix. So it's a different kind of flavor of action. And the story kind of... It's not as convoluted and messy as this one, but it's still a little messy, the story of the third movie. Yeah. But it's still an improvement. If this is definitely the low point of the series, which, okay, we haven't covered the... Let's just con- take into consideration one through three, right? We're not taking... <laughs> yeah. Between one through three, this is this, the low point. This is the low point. I would rather watch this any fucking day than Matrix 4, which Hunter has only seen like the first 20 minutes because he keeps fucking tapping out. I fall asleep legitimately after the first 20 minutes. Like, it's. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that portion it's of this gonna shit. Be great. It's going to be great. 
that that season's gonna be fantastic. It's yeah. great. It's gonna be roasted. We're, like it's a fucking goddamn rotisserie chicken. We're not even gonna talk about like hypotheticals and lore and possible like theories and you know symbolisms and all that. We're just gonna be talking about how much the movie fucking sucks. It's gonna be all shit talk. You guys are gonna love it. Um, it'll also be posted on my TikTok of shit talk. Shit talk. Um, so Hunter, let's put a bow on this. What did you think of the Matrix Reloaded? The Matrix Reloaded, I felt, um, while it did give us some more lore of the real world and the fight scenes were good, uh, the storytelling was very convoluted and, um, kind of all over the place. Yeah, I agree. Especially towards the second and third act, like, especially the introduction oh. of the Keymaker, that's where it fucking got out of fucking control. Absolutely, like they they didn't have any congruency there. Like everything was just kind of fucking off on its own, and there was no, um, there was nothing there to make it to where everything felt like it actually went together. Like it yeah, it's kind of like you know what we're running out of ideas. Fucking throw it in here. Yeah, and fight scene. Even though the fight scenes were awesome, they didn't make sense. Especially the fight scene with the the Bruce Lee wannabe. I keep saying Bruce Lee wannabe and that's probably fucking racist, but hey, I'm going to say it anyway. Uh you um, mean the pro the Bruce Lee wannabe uh, that was protecting the uh, oracle.exe? Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, that one doesn't make any sense either cuz they don't really explain why. I mean, he mentions that oh, you don't know you don't really know somebody until you fight someone. But it's fucking stupid. Yeah, it's terrible. And it 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 doesn't it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, all the different captains that uh, Neo has met until this point, they didn't need to fucking fight him. Yeah. As far as we know, right? You don't truly know someone until you fight them. Like, what the fuck? What kind of fucking what BDSM the- fucking entry-level fucking gatekeeping are you doing? Well, to be fair, that is actually a new regiment of the plaintiffs that I put into our training program. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm going to keep bringing that shit back, boy. Oh, God. But we are an hour and 13 minutes into this. Let's fucking never talk about The Matrix Reloaded ever again. This movie sucks. It's, uh... God, I don't know how to describe it. I've it, literally taken shits that were hotter and more popular <laughs> than this. Like This movie introduces a lot of cool ideas, like with the architect. I like the world building that it does. You know, the theory that there are multiple ones, that there's multiple cycles, but it's very messy. It's messy to get to that point. The fight scenes are awesome, but they don't make any sense. Powers are introduced with the twins that are not explained at all. So you're left leaving like, okay, how can we kill these things? It's never explained. Do they die? Don't know. They're never seen again. Yeah, no, they just, they leave them there. And they don't give you anything besides the fact that they were blown up into the sky, which again, doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. Did they, because when you see them first emerging from the fire, they're in their solidified form. Yeah. Um, But in order to get out, they had seatbelts on the shit, right? Yeah. They had to go into their ghost form. Why would they go ghost into solid, into ghost? Like, why continue to transfer when you know you're going to fucking die? <laughs> yeah, and this movie... It, I, it introduces a lot of cool ideas like free will and predeterminism. Like in the first act of the movie with the Merovingian and the cake when he makes that girl orgasm and everything, like 
does it in a very weird way, but does introduce a cool question. Check this out. This bitch going <laughs> God. But anyway, let's put a bow on this. Let's never talk about this again. Um, if you would like, let's put a bow on this episode. If you would like to send us an email one more time, our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. Let us know what you, what Hunter? I was going to say, that's contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. That's contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you thought of this episode, what you thought of the Matrix Revolutions. Literally anything, not revolutions, reloaded. Literally anything that's on your mind, email us. Let us know what you're thinking, and we will talk about it next episode. Um, but let's uh, never talk about this again. I do kind of want to touch on this. I meant to do it at the beginning of the episode, but I didn't think about it until just now. Um, we're kind of um, playing around with different um, mic settings and things. So oh. if you guys have... Any uh, opinions or recommendations, absolutely email us again at contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com so we can kind of, you know, use your input to influence things. Like we've changed mics, we're getting ready to change interfaces and things like that. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on that we're yeah. trying to make it to where we can make the best content for you with the best quality as Ab- well. Absolutely. Like I should have mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast. We have been going through a lot of growing pain, as many podcasts do in their first few episodes. So I apologize because it's been 100% me that's been editing and uh, uh, finicking with the settings and everything. I apologize for the echo in last episode and the inconsistent audio quality of the previous episodes. I am trying my best, but as Hunter said, we are upgrading our equipment. We are using different microphones every episode. And I have ordered an audio interface that will hopefully clear out a lot of the problems that I'm having. So hopefully by next episode, you will have a lot more consistent and stable audio quality from here going forward. Hopefully. Yeah. Unfortunately, because he and I are on different, um, we're on different schedules now as far as our, our main jobs go, right? Uh, we're not able to test these things on a daily basis. Like when we get new pieces of equipment in or we get yes. new ideas, we can't, we can't test those ideas out. So it's kind of just like crab shoot, send it out there and see what happens. Yeah. So it's definitely a formative process as we go. Yeah. So thank you for being patient as we get this podcast started. Hopefully when my audio interface comes in next week, by the time for next episode, we will have a dramatic increase in audio quality. I honestly believe that it's been my audio interface holding us back, but uh, that is a story for another day. Our episode is an hour and 18 minutes long, probably our longest episode ever. Thank you. So let's put a bow on this. We will catch you guys next time on the Virtual Tavern for the Matrix Revolutions. Have a good one, guys. We love you, and bye bye